Welcome to Comic Book Fight Club. The Surgeon General has determined that the following show has no socially redeeming value and preliminary test results on a control group of fanboys has indicated that it may be carcinogenic. Please be advised that this podcast will use prolific amounts of saucy language and thoroughly unpolitically correct imagery. Despite appearances to the contrary, the participants of this roundtable are not completely horrible, horrible human beings. They simply have no filters. Regardless, it is not recommended that you listen to this podcast if you are pregnant, nursing, intend to become pregnant, vegan, have a history of mental disorder, heart disease, diabetes, or think Twilight might be cool. I mean, really, an apex predator that sparkles in direct sunlight? Give me a break. And on a final note, fuck Batman. Let's get ready to rumble! Greetings and welcome back to Comic Book Fight Club. Why are you listening to a third episode? <laughs> you people are horrible. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Gene Hendricks. I'm, as always, joined by my good friend, Mr. Jeff Fishman. How you doing, Oh, buddy? you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! You do that very well. I watched a lot of wrestling in the late 90s, early 2000s. I didn't Good date man. much, but I watched a lot, a lot of wrestling. <laughs> that is okay. Oh, hey, welcome to our fan friggin-tastic tag team spectacular. And for this t- tag team show, we are joined by Mr. Haramel Hero himself, Chris Tyler. Woo! <laughs> There's an earlier wrestling call that Oh, Korea. man. Have you guys been on Facebook? There's this new page called Flair Was There. Yes. And what they, I love it. I love it. What they do is they Photoshop Ric Flair into historic photos and then make up some sort of backstory. It is hysterical. I agree. <laughs> no strong opinion. Yeah, on I that can one. see that our energy level is exactly where it usually is. <laughs> uh. And we're also joined by our good friend, Mr. Nero Chosky. Hello. Yep. And all, all the way from the left coast, the host of Head Speaks and the Task Force X podcast, Mr. Aaron Brotherhead Moss. Hello there, everybody. How's it going tonight? Going pretty good. Going pretty good. Aaron, do you actually think these assholes are talking back to their podcasting equipment? Oh, I'm fine, Aaron. Uh, I don't know. Well, Gene, probably. Oh. <laughs> I mainly yell at mine. <laughs> what do you mean you don't remember that issue? Nice. Well, we've already pissed off one listener. <laughs> yeah. That must be Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound uh, of every fanboy on the internet. <laughs> yes, Batman sucks. That's why he's crying. <laughs> he's... His illusions have been shattered. Illusion. Uh, well, before we get into the matchups tonight, we do have a few emails. Now, I'm going to... Uh, I'm not going to read Zeb's email this time, because he did weigh in on the matchups, and we have a list of everyone that did that for us. But I want to thank him for writing the novel that he sent to us is very much appreciated 
But we have two emails just on our first episode, which, if you remember, was Galactus versus Unicron. Took them a while to write in. Well, they just found All right, what are, they, what are they saying? What are they saying? Okay, the first email is from Mr. Tim Elliott, who is the co-host of the Third Degree Burn podcast, also on Two True Freaks. Uh, he very succinct and to the point. He says, great first show, guys. Raw, honest, and very funny. Keep it up. Insert your own joke here. It, it's up. <laughs> it's been up for a while. It doesn't go down. <laughs> I'm about ready to call uh. the paramedics. <laughs> so thank you very much, Tim. And he, he gave us a few uh, Mary Fuck Kill suggestions, but we're not going to go over that because we like to keep that, as he says, raw, honest, and very uh-huh. All right. All right. Our next email is from Mr. Chris Keith. And he writes, I just listened to the first comic book Fight Club. Loved it, but one piece of advice. It, in the future, don't include actual poli- political figures in your Mary Fuck Kill discussion. Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh, brother. <laughs> he said, we had a guy down in Dallas make comments about the then governor of Texas, and the Secret Service took it rather seriously. Like, like showing up at the radio station seriously. Just FYI, I don't want you guys having the federales up your asses because of a joke, because they have no sense of humor at all. It's true. It's very Bring true. Them on. I'm, I'm Bring not them fit on. For, I'm not fit for prison. <laughs> <laughs> this is a federalist, rebelist government. <laughs> he concludes with, loving the show, and I'll get off my ass and write an iTunes review as soon as I get through the next show. Thanks for a fun listen, Chris Keith. Well, thanks, nice. Chris. We appreciate the uh, advice. I don't know that we'll necessarily heed it, but I suppose that'd make for a great podcast when Nero gets out of jail. <laughs> uh, well, if anybody's going to be going to jail for that particular comment, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better than going to jail for the other comments, the Katie Powers comments. Uh, yeah, well, you will notice how a certain individual is not on this oh, show. Oh, somebody got rotated off. I wonder Mo- why. Yes, momentary ban. <laughs> More than a moment. <laughs> he's, he's in the corner. He's on timeout with the rest That's of the right. power pack. <laughs> yes. Uh, any other uh, emails? Uh, no, that is it for now. Um, we, did have, we didn't have a necessarily a comic book fight club iTunes review, but we did have a overall quantum cast review and that was from someone on the call with us mr aaron moss himself so what you're saying is if you give us a good review we'll let you record with us hey anything works. funny <laughs> i take money and chocolate and it was a five-star review so oh. uh, of course keep that in mind people so anyone that's honest with then. themselves will give us a five-star review well anyone that admits they listen is already you know cut above that's true that's true <laughs> Then I'm a big kiss-ass. <laughs> Please promote my podcast. Please have me on. All right, so what are our matchups tonight, Gene? Okay, we're going to start off, and we're going to do the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go into the Xenomorphs. That would be the aliens from the movie Aliens. Against the Fighting 501st, which is the uh, Legion of Stormtroopers controlled by Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end up with the ultimate Suicide Squad versus the A-Team. Nice. Nice. I happen to believe that the A-Team is the finest television show to ever be produced. But I'm a child of the 80s. 
And remember, I didn't date a lot. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump right into G.I. Joe versus Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. All right, great. So I'm going to give the uh, introduction to G.I. Joe. So as the opening credits say, G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special missions force. Its purpose to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Now, let's elaborate that a little bit more. G.I. Joe began in 1964 and was a line of 12-inch articulated action figures produced by Hasbro. They represented the four branches of the U.S. Armed Forces with the action soldier, that was the Army guy, the action sailor, the Navy guy, the action pilot, the Air Force, and I bet you can't guess what the fourth one was. It was the action Marine because in the 60s they weren't very good at naming things. Um, <clears throat> the development of G.I. Joe led to the, com- uh, me, the coining of the term action figure. In 1982, the line was relaunched with a smaller three and three quarter scale, complete with vehicles, play sets, and a complex backstory uh, involving an ongoing struggle between the G.I. Joe team and the evil Cobra organization. The relaunch pioneered several tactics in toy marketing, marketing combining traditional advertising with a new cartoon miniseries, which came out in 1983, and an ongoing comic book, which predates the series 1982, that started. Now, I don't know if any of you have read the comics. The comics are far superior to the television show. But, again, as a child of 80s, I love the television show, so it's really uh, a cunt hair's difference. Though G.I. Joe is owned by Hasbro, the majority of the characters and mythology of the toys and animated series were created by created mainly by Larry Hama. And I don't know if I pronounce his name correctly or not, uh, who was the writer of the licensed comic book published by Marvel Comics. Editor-in-Chief Jim Shooter was the one that suggested that G.I. Joe was a team rather than a name of a particular person. Larry Hama's version of G.I. Joe was originally intended as a new direction for Nick Fury and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. However, Marvel decided to break that off as its own group versus have that be the new direction for S.H.I.E.L.D., which is why Larry got the reins of this new comic book. Uh, Let's see. Let's talk about the actual uh, cartoon. G.I. Joe is an elite counterterrorist unit formed to combat the threat of the evil Cobra organization. Plots generally centered around on a Cobra plot or invention of the week and the Joe's effort to stop that plan. It seems like they had a different Joe for each different specialization. You had Barbecue, who was the firefighter. You had uh, uh, Shipwreck, who was the douche. You had hey. <laughs> Shipwreck's a fucking douche. You have Snake Eyes, who's a badass. You know, each G.I. Joe was a specific thing. Um, low light was the, uh, the sniper. Um, while the comic focused on military intrigue, the cartoons took a high tech approach to the series. This was in part to ne- part necessary because censors preferred laser weapons to bullets. Fully 60% of each season's episodes had a significant science fiction angle. Nearly a third of the remaining shows dealt with the paranormal from ghosts and ESP to ape men and UFOs. So that is G.I. Joe. If you don't know any more about G.I. Joe than what I just read, shame on you. I worry about the human race. All right, who's got got (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D.? I have S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. 
is the Marvel <laughs> Counterterrorism Law Enforcement and Espionage Division created How's by... How does it feel to read directly from Wikipedia while we're recording? It feels... <laughs> uh, that's a, and that's a, a, a Lee Kirby joint. They uh, they came up with uh, with S.H.I.E.L.D. And they poured it over Nick Fury from his uh, Howling Commando days into the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization. Uh, not necessarily to, well, probably to ape some of the the super spy intrigue that was going on in the 60s, you know, due to Bond and uh, Man from Uncle and that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. does stand for, in its current iteration, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. That's in the MCU, and I believe it's that in the comics now as well. Uh, it was created in 1965. Um, this is going to be really rough, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh that's all right our listeners don't expect any show prep or tact i i have i have no tact <laughs> and, and obviously no show no prep. And i'm and i apologize uh <laughs> but uh it's it really is you can you can see why gi joe was was going to basically be this they this is oh, you're gonna have to edit so much of this out <laughs> or you could just you know put it on and make me look like an ass uh, so we yeah. don't need to put it on to make you look like an ass. That is true. I am an ass. Uh, but they were also the super high tech, uh, division in the Marvel universe. They, they had all the, the sci-fi gadgetry, the Kirby tech, uh, you know, life model decoys, uh, the amazing machines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I mean, it's kind of on par with what they'd end up doing with GI Joe, with uh, in terms of technology. Uh, they instead of fighting Cobra, they fought uh, who was that? Who was that? Hail somebody? Was that? Oh yeah, Hydra. <laughs> yeah, they fought Hydra a lot. Uh, the prominent members, like I said, are uh, from the original run of it is is Nick Fury and his other Howling Commandos. Dum uh, Dum Dugan is is the one that everybody seems to to really remember because you know what Dum Dum's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> they fought Hydra all the time. Hydra. It's it's gotten darker over the years, and they've they've made it a little more political intrigue and stuff like that. But at, at its core, it's still super spy science fiction level stuff. Um, Steranko, Jim Steranko is the one who really kind of launched the, uh, you know, the Nick, the Nick Fury agent of shields into the, what everybody remembers as kind of the golden age of that. Uh, and I think he ends up dying in that run and they just bring him back. I don't even think they ever say, wow, <laughs> but he comes back. Uh, he's the, Nick Fury has been a part of the Marvel universe. Shield's been a part of the Marvel universe since 1965. Like I said, uh, there's always something going on with them. They're UN sanctioned. So, I mean, that's led to political, uh, stuff with, you know, members being U S citizens, but then siding with shield over the U S. Um, yeah, they have some shadowy stuff in their background, you know, much like when Hydra took over in the movies, you've all you everybody saw with the soldier. You you know who Shield and, and Hydra and everybody are, and they watch the TV show, which isn't really anything like it, but it's it's decent. <laughs> you know, I've been saving the TV show because I know I have an addictive personality, and I just started watching it last week, and I think I downed one and a half seasons in the span of a week. It is yeah, awesome. It got really really yes. good halfway through the first season. 
Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. And then to find out that that sky chick was actually Daisy Johnson, the or, or Quake, that just like blew my fucking mind. <laughs> but when they dropped uh, Kyle McLaughlin on us and he's and they said his name was Cal, I'm like, and he's cr- mad crazy like that, and he's ripping people. Holy shit, that's Mr. Hyde. Like I picked up on it right away. I was like, this, yeah, yeah, same, same here. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, th- so there you go. Shield. And it comes to a grind. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I have to say that was, any prep. That was it, absolutely excellent. She's hot in the mm-hmm. comic and in the movies. <laughs> All right. So those are our two teams. That's our first tag team. Uh, who wants to go first? Who wants to jump into the ring first? I guess I'll volunteer. All right. Um, this one, This one's kind of tough because being a child of the 80s, I love the G.I. Joe cartoon. Scary thing it is that my wife actually loves it more than I do. Oh, my God, you hit the jackpot. So I never read a lot of the comics. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was the, the fact that it was a lot more military, and my parents probably didn't want me to you know, get involved with that, but I had a mess of the toys. S.H.I.E.L.D. is something that I never got into until I started getting deep into the Marvel Universe. Uh, A lot coming, oddly enough, off of the Simonson run on Thor. Because Thor, Don Blake is gone. Thank you very much, Will. (laughs) And and Thor needs a new secret identity, so he goes, and Nick Fury helps him out with it. And then I was, okay, Nick Fury, he's got this flying carrier i don't need to know more about this and got got more into it so if you look at basically you have a group of high-tech military guys versus a group of high-tech military guys (laughs) they all have excellent equipment they all have you know the the high-tech guns the advanced training etc etc i think what it comes down to really is G.I. Joe has Snake Eyes. Uh, That's where I was going to. (laughs) They're pretty much equal on everything. You know, Gung-Ho can take on Dum-Dum, Duke can take on Nick, etc. Snake Eyes can take on everybody. So I'm going to have to vote for G.I. Joe. Wow. I I think that's interesting. Howard, do you want to weigh in next? Um... Well, again, I again I didn't get the comics till later, but I did watch the cartoons. I read the comic books. In fact, I'm thinking about starting a podcast on the GI Joe uh, comic book, the Romero mm-hmm. Hero series. Speaking of which, my daughter also she's seven years old. She loves the GI Joe cartoon. I got her into the cartoon. She loves it. But uh, I would have to say I'm gonna have to split this one against the T uh, the cartoon version. I would have to go for S.H.I.E.L.D., but the uh, Real American Hero comic book series, I would have to agree with uh, Gene that it would go towards uh, G.I. Joe because uh, they do have Snake Eyes. And while the cartoon does have Snake Eyes, maybe just me, but he doesn't he's not quite the badass he is in the comic books. He's kind of s- sidelined and more in favor of uh, Spirit or Quick Kick usually. Which is who's laughing at Spirit? They talk. Now I'm laughing at Quick Kick. I like them both, but you know what? I'm laughing at them both. 
I think I misspoke when I said that people can't, you know, they they had a trouble naming characters back in the 60s. And then you just reminded me of fucking quick kick from the (laughs) 80s. So I think that might be a reoccurring theme. Quick, he was he was a, a Hollywood martial arts guy, and GI Joe's like, "You're awesome and badass. Come work for the Joes." Yeah, yeah. What was their answer to Quick Kick? Spirit. <sighs> Spirit was dope, dude. Come on. Oh, come on. And goddamn Quick Kick, you know, Quick Kick always using that uh, "oh, sweetheart" type voice. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Uh, it's ridiculous. He's goddamn Johnny Cage is what he is. <laughs> Johnny Cage is clearly the best character in Mortal Kombat, so your point is invalid. <laughs> the nut punch wow. was fun. But yeah, that, okay. that's my final verdict. Is, yeah, the, the cartoon versus the cartoon version, it would definitely be Shield, and the comic book version would definitely be GI Joe. So split that how you will. I I All right, uh, so I think, you, so guy regardless. It's Joe. Doesn't matter if it's cartoon version or comic book version. It's still Joe. Every single person they got was the greatest, the best, the most prime example of whatever they needed. They recruited a model. <laughs> they have CoverGirl. Right, they recruited CoverGirl just to drive the tank. And what's wrong with that? Well, when I, in my <laughs> research, because, you know, I actually did this before we recorded, uh, the history of that is... Uh, they wanted to have female Joes. They wanted to have female G.I. Joe characters, but they were afraid people wouldn't buy them. So they made sure that they, dri- that they were the drivers of the vehicles because they knew the kids would want the tank. And so, okay, we're going to have the driver of the tank be an actual, be a female so that they could have the characters, but they would actually uh, be included in toy sales. So it's fascinating, you know? Well, I didn't. It's also fascinating that he had one of each haircut. I didn't need the tanks, man. I you had Lady J, you had Scarlet, you had Jinx, you had Covergirl, uh, you had the, you had the Baroness. I'm down with all of them, man. They're all they're all good. And they also have an army of green shirts. It's like just send out the fodder before we need. GI <laughs> Joe has an army of green shirts. Shield has an army of blue shirts. I Whatever. Oh, oh, look! It's a helicarrier. Send out the sky strikers. <laughs> Done. <laughs> the sky strikers flying off of the toy that none of us had. The flag. Oh my god! Didn't we all want it though? <sighs> I still. Want it. Wait, wasn't that? Was that the? That was the aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was a six-foot Yeah, it was like the size carrier. of a room, for crying yes, out loud. Yeah. And you could pack the jets on it. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. No, I I wanted it, but I, I actually ended up getting the uh, the shuttle launch station, which was like the next biggest nice. one. Nice. Yeah, so I I was spoiled. <laughs> I had right. spoil, and I thought I was spoiled, and I thought I was blessed. <laughs> Nero, what, awesome. what is your opinion? Okay, well... First off, I have to go on the, the whim here and say that you're all wrong, okay? This is absolutely all wrong. There's always one asshole. All right. Let's just put it that. Now, one thing you all forgot to talk about, and I don't care that freaking uh, Snake Eyes was a badass or a ass or Quick Kick or whatever the fuck his name is. I don't care. What really drove G.I. Joe and made them the thing that they were was Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> and so we're talking about G.I. Joe after Sergeant Slaughter, then they could kick the shit out of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm sorry. That's what it is. Okay? 
Well, you just said you disagreed with everybody, but now you're agreeing with everybody. Wait a minute. No, no, no. You disagreed that it was Snake Eyes. No, they're all talking about Snake Eyes. I could care less about Snake Eyes. Actually, I never really even heard of the comic book Snake Eyes. I heard of the TV show guy. Well, comic book Snake Eyes will make your balls explode because he's awesome. (laughs) But it's it's the TV show Sergeant Slaughter who whipped the Joes into shape and actually would have them not be the pansy asses that they were beforehand. I so when it comes down to wow, who is so better, you're saying Duke and Flint and all of them were pansy asses until the movie came out with Cobra? La, 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 la. <laughs> no, with hey, Sergeant Slaughter. Cobra Law was was led by Burgess Meredith. I mean, yeah. for I am globulous. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> well, let me finish. Let me finish. So I anyway, know. go ahead. After the whole the movie came out, and after Sergeant Slaughter whipped them all into shape. You put him up against uh, Shield, and I'll tell you the winner is Optimus Prime. <laughs> you know that's the reason that Duke didn't die in the movie. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Duke was originally supposed to die. Then they saw how traumatized kids were when Optimus Prime died, and they said, "Holy shit, we can't do I that." I was pissed. You know why? Because I wanted Don Johnson to lead the Joes. <laughs> <laughs> When I was watching the TV show, I used to always kick on them because, you know, whenever the stupid little uh, Cobra Jet or whatever would blow up, you see a little little uh, parachute crawl out and the guy fly and, and land safely to the ground. And then read the know. comics because people die left and right. Really? Okay. Yes. Because the, the, oh, the, yeah. com- the series was pansy ass. Oh, wait. Well, the, majorly the, the series was censored. <laughs> it was it was a kid show, but re- I so, mean. After you read the comics and you and you get the pieces of Stalker and uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes through Vietnam and what happens afterwards, you're gonna be like, this is the one of the greatest storylines in comic books. I'll have to pick That's it up. That's true. Stalker's a badass. Stalker is the fucking man. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I always wonder how come you never see Cobra Commander and Megatron in the same place at the same time. There's got to be something to that, right? Well, I only I mean, one. Cobra Commander did show up on, on Transformers. Yeah. And come on, when your bad guys yeah. are named Destro and Tomax and Zamot. Hey, really? don't diss on the twins or Destro. He's Scottish, man. <laughs> I think he's Swedish, actually. <sighs> he's Scottish. Uh. <laughs> Oi. All right, so, Nero, you're voting for G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe after Sergeant Slaughter. After. Okay, so I... I, I Listen, we're dealing with listeners of the IQ of a child, so I can't, I can't. What about the hosts? Kind of like us. <laughs> I can't. They're like you, know, you just insulted your entire audience. Just saying. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> okay. If they're listening on episode three, they deserve to be. That's insulted. right. I'm that's, sorry. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, who's got two hours to kill? No problem. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that's where everyone stands now. My opinion, for once, doesn't actually matter, but I'm gonna, I'm going to give it anyway because I'm. <laughs> you 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 admit that your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> in this one, someone called Guinness. in this one instance, it doesn't matter um, because I'm outvoted. But I'm gonna give you a real compelling argument, and and here it is. Um, GI Joe. It pains me to say this because I love GI Joe. I grew up on GI Joe, but. Uh, if we're going to compare apples to apples, you've got 
military or paramilitary organizations with elite training. So that evens out. You've got an army of blue shirts at S.H.I.E.L.D., an army of green shirts at uh, G.I. Joe. That evens out. You've got specialists in every field that are given even more advanced training. That all evens out. What S.H.I.E.L.D. has that G.I. Joe doesn't is a fledgling superhero program, including the Texas Twister, Quasar, and if you're not listening to the Quantum Cast, shame on you. So basically they're fucked. Yeah, (laughs) they're they're fucked because, you know, you can put up all of the G.I. Joe, you can have... The the uh, I'm talking about Shield being fucked. No, because you got <laughs> when you got Quasar, one of the protectors of the universe, as a Shield agent that they can call on. I don't care. I don't care if you've got a wolf as an animal companion. I don't care if you got a little parrot that that uh, hangs out on your shoulder. You're gonna get scooped up in a force bubble and contained. So not if you're Sergeant Slaughter, dude. Sergeant Sergeant <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter can lick my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god i mean wow i i'm just gonna say that i, I used to me, root dude. for nikolai me. volkov all right <laughs> you know what though there is I, one joe who could get out of that force bubble yeah <laughs> wait wait hold on I, I bet you i can figure out who who, who is it? the no. fridge <laughs> fridge <laughs> right because you got an iron football and a chain damn right yeah I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I just don't think so. I just don't think so. And by the way, if you're not following the Iron Sheik on Facebook, you're doing yourself a disservice because really? that guy is hysterical. So I got to say shield apples to apples. Um, the one point that I'm surprised no one made was in the cartoon. No one could ever hit anything. You're an elite military organization but no one can aim their little their little red and blue laser gun their little pew, pew, pew. oh they get, they get hit the bats all day yeah, long the bats you can hit all day long but when it because they're robots exactly. here's the thing though gi yeah. joe is so good even if they didn't hit anything they still won on that's the cartoon. Right. that's it exactly well that's why I think- you know why because they were up against cold slither <sighs> exactly the the high point of cobra uh, and i'll tell you that you know, G.I. Joe was an American organization. It's American. It's American. America. USA. <laughs> See? All right. So what we're saying is it's four to five. What we're saying is you're always a Marvel fan. <laughs> They're both. Marvel. That's what we're saying. They're both Marvel. They're both so, Marvel. so really what you're saying is we should have had G.I. Joe versus the October God. <laughs> 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 Okay, so here here's how it comes out because I'm gonna split Aaron's vote in half <laughs> because he voted for both. <laughs> I gotta split it in half, so we have three and a half versus one and a half for GI Joe. Now we also had several people write in on Facebook, both on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash. I mean, we have more than one listener. Like us. Wow. Okay. And we also under the Two True Freaks group. We had people respond. Here are the responses. I'm not going to tell you who voted for what. These are all the people that responded to the matchups. Uh, Benjamin Perlman, Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor, Josh Baker, Chris Keith, Jay David, you can call him Dave Weeder, Rob Bedina, Mike Peacock, Professor Alan Middleton, 
Andy Leyland, Zeb Oswalt, Dale Russell, Ozzy Ray, and Luke. I'm going to stomp on your city, Jack and Eddie. I think I know what he went with. And... Wow, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that we have a professor in there. <laughs> and here's how they shook out. We had seven votes for G.I. Joe and five votes for Sheep. Oh, that's tight. That's, near thing. that's tight. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Giggity giggity. So. <laughs> so it looks like on both our end and on the listener's end, we ended up with going for G.I. Joe, but it wasn't a sure thing. It was actually a fairly close contest, which I, I think makes sense. You know what yeah. that means? That means, Jeff, What's you're wrong. Mean? <laughs> you know what happens once in a while. I admit it. I admit it. I mean, it doesn't happen wrong. often. I was wrong once. Once. <laughs> once. Yeah. About the entire time I've known him is about the only time he's been wrong. Thank you, Nero. That is a very kind thing of you to say. Shut off his mic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let you're, him follow up. You're blacklisted. <laughs> uh. All right. So that was our. Um, G.I. Joe versus S.H.I.E.L.D., you want to take a break and then come back? Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the Xenomorphs versus the Fighting 501st. In-Country has re-upped for another tour, and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics' The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Panneries, for In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics The Nom, every two weeks at twotruefreaks.com. Alright folks, welcome back to Comic Book Fight Club. We just found out that G.I. Joe trumps S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I am willing to bow to the panel's greater authority. Now, we're going to do a quick speed round before we jump into our next match. I'm sure you guys are on Facebook. You see these dumbass memes that float around. <laughs> they aggravate the shit out of me. I don't but, know. I uh, like all the Bill Cosby ones. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. But there's some superhero ones that are obviously done by... Uh, uh, let's say remedial uh, comic book fans. <laughs> and that's as nice as I can put it, you fucking Jesus. Batman lovers. So here it is. You've got a, you got a picture of uh, Superman. He looks bloodthirsty, and it says, you must assemble a team of three heroes to take down a bloodlusted, fully-powered Superman. Who do you choose? So lightning round, what I want to hear is I want to go around the table, and I want to hear who are your choices and why. Not a lot of elaboration, just real quick and dirty. So um, I'm going to start with Aaron. Okie dokie. I'm going to say my team consists of Firestorm, the Atom, and the Flash. Uh, Firestorm turns the suit into kryptonite, and the Atom and the Flash is there for moral support. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all you real fucking really need is Firestorm. I love it. I love it. Gene? Uh, I'm going with the DC Captain Marvel also known as Shazam, Thor, and Dr. Fate, because one word, magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nero? I'm going with that one guy, uh, what's his name, Quasar, I think, and uh, the other guy, I hate you so his name much. is Quasar, and yeah. the other guy, uh, his name is Quasar. 
Actually, Quasar would be able to beat Superman because the quantum bands can produce kryptonite radiation, and then you've got all of those other powers. So that was an actually good answer. Quick, shut off his mic. <laughs> exactly. Who's next? It's the winner. I, I think that's me. Okay. All right, here we go. You know who I have? Mm-hmm. I have pre-crisis Superman from Earth-1 because he can blow out a fucking okay. star. I have Superboy Prime. <laughs> You know, a little tit-for-tat there. And uh, to finish off the job, I have Man of Steel Superman, because you know that motherfucker will actually end the job. Wow. All right, so you guys really went with what I would consider to be obvious choices, which is good. Let me tell you what mine is. I only need two, but since I get three, I'm going to use three. Number one, Leech. Ten-year-old, formerly a Morlock. Power is to shut down superpowers. So Superman comes in, doesn't matter how hot and fast he gets anywhere near Leech, his powers are gone. Person number two, Beak, a depowered mutant that used to look like a uh, a, uh, plucked chicken. Now he's a depowered human uh, because he lost his powers during M-Day. And his signature weapon was a baseball bat. He had no other superpowers. And so... Leech drains the powers, Beak smashes him in the head with uh, the baseball bat, Superman's on the ground, bleeding, dying, and then, just for shits and giggles, let's bring out Squirrel Girl to take a dump on his chest. <laughs> I, I would let her do that to me, so... Oh, yeah, you know, I've got one provision, actually. Yeah, I want to add Harry that. Potter into mine. <laughs> Harry only, in the hopes, only in the hopes that Superman would kill him. All right. I was going to say, is what point does the heat vision come out and fry him? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, Jeff, it's funny. I thought you were going to go with something really off the wall there and say you only need one thing to beat Superman. Lois Lane's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd need two things. Lois Lane's vagina and a divorce decree. Uh, All right. So, uh, alternatively, uh, uh, we could have used Aquarian. And if you don't know who Aquarian is, you better listen to the back issues of uh, Quasar because he's not even a D-lister. He's an F-lister that can shut down powers. We'll use Mockingbird to beat him up. And then eh, let's bring out Fourbush Man to take a dump on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not even Mockingbird. Let's go really down the rung. Let's take All-Pro, which was the shoehorned NFL character from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> It was a shitty NFL tie-in before Super Pro? Oh, did I say All-Pro? I meant to say Super Pro. Yeah, that that was was a 90 jam right there. (laughs) That was my bad. There couldn't be more than one. (laughs) No, certainly not. (laughs) All right, so that's our lightning round. Uh, Gene, who is our next matchup? Our next matchup is the Xenomorphs versus the 501st. It's going to be a tough one. Another tough one. Um, Let's see. Uh, We started off with... Gene last time, right? So, um, Chris, do you want to go first? Absolutely. So the Xenomorph uh, first appeared in the uh, 1979 film Alien, and I think everybody knows what that creature looks like. Uh, The biggest thing with the Alien is that it is a parasitic species that uh, is comes from an egg, which is laid by a queen. We don't know how the queen gets to be the queen. It's probably the same thing as in, like, a beehive or an ant hive. So she lays the eggs. 
Yeah, or maybe it was a rock group that was put together by music and uh, music executives. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. One person got the joke. That's all. I'm happy. That's that's all I wanted. I want to say that. Then I mean that's foreign, not Queen. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's actually, Aerosmith. Hey. Uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. You got the name. Nero. I think Nero just came up and shit on uh, Chris's chest. I'm wearing clean clothing. <laughs> okay, but uh, so the queen lays the eggs. Inside the egg, there's a thing that basically looks like a really deformed uh, horseshoe crab with a long tail, and uh, it'll jump on your face and it fucks you, and it puts a little egg inside you, or you know, a, a being inside you. The the face hugger that what jumps on your face dies. It lays uh, the parasite inside you. The parasite will grow until it's able to burst out of whatever living being it's in, uh, all the while taking on some of the properties of that living being. Uh, and then that uh, chest burster will grow into an adult, which uh, is basically, you know, your your worker bees or your army ants there. And uh, it's an intelligent creature that has a very, res- uh, not super resilient uh, exoskeleton, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of shiny, and uh, it's pretty good at hiding in the dark. The biggest feature, though, with the alien is that it has concentrated acid for the blood. You don't dare kill it. Uh, so you, you can't really attack these things, because if you get their blood on them, you're basically boned. Um, I mean, it took, <laughs> it took uh, Ripley in the first movie blowing up the ship that they were on, and that didn't even kill her because it, you know, it hid in the escape pod and she had to blow it out of the goddamn airlock. Uh, so basically, it's the perfect killing machine. Uh, it's a parasite that will fuck you and then it will kill you. It's like having a really bad relationship. <laughs> I was going to say, are you describing marriage? I don't know. I'm not married. Uh, all right, you done? Uh, I, I think, think she needs a drink. No, I need that. a few more minutes and a tissue. <laughs> I, I think that's really all you need to say about the alien. I mean, the, I, I I figured that. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, and I, and I didn't have Wikipedia for that one. I did that because <laughs> I love that franchise. <clears throat> all right, they are going up against the five hundred first, which is the five hundred first Legion of Stormtroopers, also known as the five hundred first Battalion during the Clone Wars, and later known as Vader's Fist. It was an elite unit of clone troopers commissioned by Supreme Chancellor Palpatine during the Clone Wars that later became a unit of the Stormtrooper Corps. Made up of units like Torrent Company, the 501st fought many battles, such as the Battle of Teth and the Battle of Coruscant, becoming one of the most well-known legions. Nineteen years before the Battle of Yavin, the 501st became Darth Vader's personal unit as he led them during the Operation Nightfall, in which the clones helped take down the Jedi, whom they believed to be traitors to the Republic. Following the rise of the Galactic Empire, the 501st transitioned into a Stormtrooper unit, like other clone units. Given new armor and weapons, the 501st faithfully served the Empire, operating under the direct command of Darth Vader. After the Kamino Uprising, the 501st became the last remnant of the Grand Army of the Republic fully composed of Jango Fett clones, as opposed to the ever-growing and more diverse Stormtrooper Corps, where the Fett clones became a minority, 
with the inclusion of a pool of clones from different templates and birth-born recruits, while others were not clones, but humans from an Imperial Academy. By the year of the Battle of Yavin, Vader was known to comb through the ranks of all Stormtrooper units and transfer the best to the 501st, a fact that angered other Imperial agents who had to work with lesser qualified units. Legion fought in a number of battles during the Galactic Civil War in an effort to defeat the Rebel Alliance and bring peace to the galaxy, although the Alliance ultimately triumphed. Though the 501st was disbanded after the Battle of Endor, the Chiss Grand Admiral Thrawn resurrected the designation by forming a new 501st Legion. He also added more diverse recruits to the 501st, including non-humans. The reconstituted 501st was stationed in the Unknown Regions where they protected Thrawn's Empire of the Hand. Over a century later, the Legion was in the service of the New Empire, then under the rule of Emperor Rowan Fell. I'm not going to go any further than that because that gets really weird. Now, so what you're saying bring... is they're the best of the best of the Stormtroopers. Yes, and if you want to look... Why don't you just say actually, that? They're actually in the movies. Uh, the Stormtroopers that are on Darth Vader's Star Destroyer are the 501st. And the guys in the black uniforms, the ones that are actually talking back to Vader, they're stormtroopers. They're stormtrooper officers. So they do nothing. In the course of No, they put on they, in the course of the movies they do nothing. They talk to Vader. Well they get well, well, they, they get choked. They talk to Vader and then they're the ones that actually go down to the planet and destroy the Jawa Sandcrawler. So they did nothing. <laughs> okay. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> EUPU. I think you're going to make Gene cry. <laughs> it's okay. Are you an auxiliary member of the 501st? I am. Because in the, the reason that actually got started. Are they still was... taking the best of the best? How'd you get in there? Do they do they also produce those little videos on YouTube with the stormtroopers dancing and stuff? Do they do that? I don't think so. A lot of that's uh, Disney, actually. That's at the like Star Wars weekends. That wasn't really a serious question, but okay, <laughs> it's all right. All right, we strive okay. for knowledge here. Okay, so basically, <laughs> we're talking the best of the best of the stormtroopers versus. The aliens from aliens. A lot of explanation, but that's what we're looking at. Um, does, you know what? I'm not even going to ask who wants to go first. Um, who went first last time? I think I made Aaron go first last time, right? Yep. No, I went first last time. I'm wondering, uh, I just want to define the arena we're talking about. Because mm, yeah. if, you're on, if you're on a planet... And the 501st has a Star Destroyer in orbit. Yeah. They'll nuke their own troopers to destroy the Xenomorph. So I'm. why don't we say it's whatever's on the planet at the time. No outside aid. Okay. I was thinking, like, on the Death Star or in a... Uh, on a Star Starship or something like Star Destroyer, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that works. Okay. Well, if, you can't say on the Death Star because on the Death Star the Rebels are going to blow it up, therefore no one wins. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so let's stay on the um, on the Star Destroyer. And okay. uh, Chris, why don't you go first this time? Uh, Xenomorphs all the way, because um, you just get you just get swarmed by the man. There's nothing you can do about them. They 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 will they will puncture their own skin to bleed on you, man. They they are out for nothing but death. They are killing machines, and as we all know, stormtroopers don't hit shit. They are certainly not <laughs> going to hit these guys that can hide in the dark and make no sound. There is no contest here. It is the xenomorphs. Yeah, this is going to be an entire night of one side that can't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> versus uh, some other group, like the G.I. Joe, unless you're a bat or a ro- you know, some other type of robot, they're not going to hit you. The stormtroopers can't actually hit you. Although, although, although uh, there is a theory that says, you know, since that entire encounter in A New Hope uh, on the Death Star was uh, a ambush, a trap for Princess Leia to lead them back to the base, that that was why they couldn't hit you. You know, they were trying, but you know, they weren't trying. They were atten- they were purposely missing. But that, of course, doesn't explain every other movie. Yeah, and I'm, course, I'm Batman, the- and I have a, a pack of kryptonite in my pocket. Right. Because I'm Batman. Batman! And then, of course, the A-team never could hit anybody either. But I have a theory on that, and we'll save that for the next one. So, um, Chris, you're saying that the Xenomorphs is the way to go. The xenomorphs on a spaceship doesn't matter who's on the spaceship. That they're, they're toast. All right, Nero, what do you think? I'm zoned xenomorph all the way. The one reason is they're just carrying, man. Uh, I mean, even if you were to say wipe out every single xenomorph there, what's to say one of them's gonna lay an egg inside of you and now you're gonna have another one burst out eventually? I mean, they're they're always gonna win. They're always gonna be around. They're like ants. You know, you can't get all of them gone. No, you can't you can blow the shit out of them. them but they're still going to be there. Yeah. Right, and then you'll be having a nice lunch at a space diner, and... <laughs> I know where this is going. Oh, no, not again. Oh, my Hello, my Oh, fucking great. I'm telling you, it's xenomorph all the way. You know, it just, just is. Yeah, you can't you can't shoot them in a pressurized area because then their blood's going to go through every section of the hull, and then your spaceship is Swiss cheese. Now, if you're talking about music, the five of first wins. They have better music. Gee, <laughs> uh, why don't you go next? All right, well, label me as the contrarian. This contrarian. I'm going with a Outlander. And and Jif, you actually made this choice easier okay. for me. Because if it was on a planet, then it would kind of be a toss-up, probably leaning towards the Xenomorphs. However, if they're on a Star Destroyer, the minute that it's obvious that they're losing, the the 501st would blow up the ship. And yes, they would lose troopers, but they would also destroy all the Xenomorphs on that ship. So... The 501st survives because it's not the entire group on a Star Destroyer. They couldn't all fit on one Star Destroyer versus that group of Xenomorphs. So 501st wins. Yeah, but then there's other Xenomorphs elsewhere, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about an enclosed environment, so it's the best you're having a draw. I mean, at least the way I look at it, I don't... 
I yeah, agree and with Jeff on that. Well, it, it, if you look at it this way, the what is the purpose of the Xenomorphs to procreate and overrun the galaxy? The purpose of the five hundred first is to defend the Empire. You mean it's not to procreate and take over the galaxy? <laughs> Clones don't screw. No, come on. <laughs> They've already taken over the galaxy. <laughs> well, well so, let me let me bring up one thing though. Who's yeah. paying for the Star Destroyer? The Emperor. Which is also in charge of the five oh first, yes? Yeah. Okay, so then they won they lost a financial battle as well. Because they're going to keep blowing up Star Destroyer after Star Destroyer after Star Destroyer to get rid of all these stupid Xenomorphs. They're doing they're the going to lose. They're going to be broke. Uh, Nero's using macroeconomics to pose. <laughs> You're going to have 501st people standing on the corner going, we'll fight for food. <laughs> Can't hit anything, but we'll still fight. I, I, I thought we were only talking about one enclosed system, Nero. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the big war, man. Well, if it's about the big war, then the 501st wins even uh, more, because as soon as they find out the Xenomorphs came from that planet, they nuke the damn planet. The only way to be sure. That is true. It's like Karen Page. Oh, that was the first episode, wasn't it? I think you've got the, uh, you've got the exterminator mentality, and you know that the exterminator never wins. Okay. So, we've got two of the Xenomorphs. Gene is for the 501st. Aaron, what do you think? Right. Being a big Star Wars fan, I, I want to side of Gene and say the uh, the 501, but uh, Chris has made some very good points, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to side with the Xenomorphs on this one. Xenomorphs! Oh, uh, they're, they're like cockroaches. You never get rid of the son of a bitches. Damn right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's another one for the Xenomorphs. I also go for the Xenomorphs, and, and, and here is why. Um, <clears throat> so... The 501st, yes, very skilled. Let's say they're the uh, the the GI Joe team in you know they're the they're the white shirts as opposed to the GI Joe green shirts <laughs> as opposed to the shield blue shirt. So highly trained, best of the best. The Empire has the offer. Got it. But we've already seen the Xenomorphs go up against Space Marines and just absolutely kick their ass. The only one who kind of got out alive was Ripley and that little girl. And, of course, Ripley and a little girl were already impregnated and died on the way back to wherever home base was. I forget. I'm sure one of you guys would know that. So if we want to draw a proxy, a comparison, the Space Marines in that scenario were trumped by the Xenomorphs. And if it's an enclosed system, if we're talking about, you know, a a uh, terrarium, if you will, scenario, I think it's the Xenomorphs. Now, if we're talking about a wide open, you know, it's the galaxy, I really do think that the 501st would win because they can create defenses, they can create, a, you know, some sort of, a, you know, advanced medical procedure, whatever. I think that there's more options available to us. But if we're saying they're just on a starship, that starship becomes a ghost ship real quick if the self-destruct button is never pushed and the xenomorphs will take over the ship. That's that's what I'm voting for. So All right. If so that's that's four to one in favor of the xenomorphs. Alright, so mark it on your calendars today. The final first is a bunch of pussies. 
And and go, going by the responses we got from the listeners, it's even a wider margin. Okay, what do you got? Because on, on there, we had seven for the Xenomorphs and only two for the 501st. Xenomorphs! What did the uh, what did the two for the five hundred first say? Oh, uh, they they didn't. I didn't write down exactly what they said. I just counted votes. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so that's great. That was a good one. We are going to take another break, and then we'll come back with our final bout, which is the A Team versus the Suicide Squad. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! Okay, and we're back, and now we're going to go into the Suicide Squad versus the A-Team. So, why don't you give us a rundown on Task Force X, Aaron? Sure thing. The Suicide Squad, otherwise known as Task Force X, first appeared back in the Brave and the Bold, number 25, back in 1959, by uh, writer Robert Kenniger and artist Rob Andrew. They were there for six issues, plus an issue of Action Comics. Uh, at that time, the squad consisted of Rick Flagg, Karen Grace, Dr. Evans, and Jess Bright. Uh, they fought monsters, aliens, and all the weird shit out there. Uh, then they kind of vanished away. And then in the 80s, John Ostender recreated the team in the Pages of the Legends, issue number three. Uh, this was kind of a mixture of the Dirty Dozen with Mission Impossible. After Legends, they showed up in Secret Origins number 14. And they went on their own series, which lasted uh, 66 issues, an annual, and then a special, which was a crossover with the Doom Patrol. The modern-day version of the Suicide Squad was ran by Amanda Waller. She used criminals to undertake undercover missions with the help of third- or fourth-tier heroes, such as Bronze Tiger. Uh, John Ostinger also brought back Rick Flagg from the original series to serve as team leader to the squad. To keep the villains in line, they would be outfitted with explosive bracelets that the team leader could detonate if needed. Uh, the series also took second- and third-rate villains, such as Captain Boomerang, Dr. Light, and Deadshot, and... John Ostinger flushed him out and actually made him made him people he wanted to care for. Um, Ostinger's series was a more serious comic book with elements of humor sprinkled throughout. 
Uh, it's also known for taking Barbara Gordon, who was shot and crippled by the Joker during the Killing Joke, and transform her into a great character known as Oracle, which DC's recently pissed all over. That's another entirely. <laughs> as I, as I, DC has recently pissed all over a lot of stuff. Yeah, they pulled the Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Uh, they were canceled in 1992 with issue 66, and there's a couple of miniseries, and then the new 52 had a couple of different versions of it, which I'm not going to get into. But anyways, that's the uh, Suicide Squad for you. All right, Jeff, how about giving us a rundown on everyone's favorite 80s TV show? Oh, the A-Team, man. Fucking, I wasn't... Uh, when the A-Team came on, everything shut down in my house when I was a kid. Uh, A-Team was the, the best television show of all time. Um, okay. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. So the A-Team revolves around a four-member squad of a commando outfit that are now mercenaries. Their leader is Lieutenant Colonel John Hannibal Smith, played by George Capart, whose plans, to be, plans tend to be unorthodox but effective. Often says the phrase, I love it when a plan comes together, is often on the jazz, is a master of disguise and a crap shot. Second in command is Lieutenant Templeton Peck, Mostly played by Dirk Benedict, however, in the pilot, it was played by Tim Dunnigan, who just it didn't make any sense. I'm glad they got rid of him. Yeah, he and, looked like he was 12. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why, that's exactly why they got rid of him. He didn't, he didn't look old enough to serve in the war. Uh, usually called Face or Face Man is a smooth-talking con man who serves as the team's appropriator of vehicles and other useful items, as well as the team's second-in-command. The team's scrounger, he can get virtually anything he sets his mind to, usually exploiting women with sympathy, appeal, and flirtation. However, he's not without his integrity. As stated by Murdoch in the episode Family Reunion, he would rip the shirt off his back for you and then scam one for himself. Baseman is also the 18th accountant. Um, next up is H.M. Murdoch. H.M. stands for Howling Mad. Uh, played by Dwight Schwartz. Uh, Howling Matt Murdock is the 18th pilot. He can fly any kind of aircraft with extreme precision. However, due to the helicopter crash in Vietnam, Murdock Murdoch apparently went insane. He lives in a veteran's hospital in the mental wing. Whenever the rest of the team requires a pilot, they have to break him out of the hospital. That was up until the last season. After the last season, he's out and about. And by the way, Sure, some of you fanboys will recognize uh, Dwight Schultz as his uh, role of uh, Barkley on Star Trek The Next Generation. I could never get behind that because every time I saw him, I immediately thought of the A-Team and I could never identify with that. <laughs> so it was very disconcerting. I didn't lose any sleepover. I'm okay now, but I could use a hug. Uh, rounding out the team is Bosco Albert Baracus, or B.A. Baracus, the muscle for the A-team, able to perform amazing feats of strength. He is also the team's mechanic and build and can build virtually anything. So that is the A-team. And this is going to be a tough one because... What, uh, what members of the... Did we say what members of the Suicide Squad we were doing? 
Yeah, we uh, absolutely did. We defined that to keep the power set. Yeah. So that okay, that's right. Okay. It was Rick Flag, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and Plastique. Okay, that's right, that's right. Go. Y'all jump in at once. Oh, boy. I'll tell you, this is a tough one. I would say, just on personalness, I would say the A-Team, just because, well, just like you, Jeff, when the A-Team came on, everything shut down. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, and and then Knight Rider followed it immediately. That's exactly right. That whole, like, two hours, man, that was the best hours on TV. Yeah. Still is. It still is. The only still thing is. that would be the day uh, was later in life when the Drew Carey show was immediately followed by the Norm show. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, we're not doing that fight right now. And by the way, the A-Team was a Marvel comic. Yes, I have That's issue nice. one. Nice. So, yes, all right, Nero, this is not a popularity contest. I no, 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 it's not a popularity contest. I'm just saying, hey, when you work together, you can accomplish anything. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> And remember, remember, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Late for that right. And the other half is red lasers and blue lasers. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, so who's next? Uh, Gene, why don't you go next? All right, uh, again, you know, like you guys, I love the A-Team. I remember... It must have been second grade. I remember on the playground at recess that a bunch of us would always, we would get together and there were these, I'm I'm sure you guys remember this, they had these concrete things out by the one ball field. It was like on the side, so you had like, on one base you had two concrete like upright slabs. Well, we would pretend that that was the A-team's van. <laughs> and I was always B.A. because I was always the biggest one there. And the blackest, too, apparently. <laughs> That's the Italian blood. I'm sorry. You weren't the chick? Usually there's a chick in the show. Yeah, she was only on the first couple. <laughs> Having said that, uh-huh. I'm going to have to go with the Suicide Squad. What? What? Because you have a woman, you have you have a woman who can blow up anything, not not requiring a bomb. She just looks at it and says, "You blow up." I thought that she yeah. had to have. I mean, this incarnation. I thought she had to have actual plastic explosives. It started out that way, and then later on, she reverted. Uh, she got a metahuman power by the time she joined the Suicide Squad, uh, mm-hmm. where she could actually blow things up. Without explosive. Okay, so we need to redefine this, and this is not to, okay. to push it one way or the other. But obviously, if we have metahuman versus regular humans, that severely skews it one way or the other. I was when I had suggested this, I was thinking the Task Force X that was um, in that one episode of Justice League Unlimited. Well, so you can, none okay, of the well, powers in that. But if well, you, you can use the we can use the older version because she was when she first showed in the Suicide Squad. I believe she did use the uh, the plastic explosives. Okay, so, let's say let's say that's that's the case. Free metahuman plastic. Right. Okay. 
she can still blow up anything. <laughs> yeah. Because she, she is an expert with demolition. And she's well, not going to have... fall for any of Face's well, crap. B.A. Baracus could right. just look at you and you'll just run away. <laughs> you have de you have Deadshot, who has held his own against Batman. I know, it's a dirty word. <laughs> but he is also... He a, I was following he, him. He, he's, he's a better marksman than anyone on the A-team. And he has... His guns are built into his uniform, so he's not going. You can't disarm him easily. You have Captain Boomerang, who is an expert in throwing weapons. Not just boomerangs; he can throw anything. He's he's like uh, Arsenal that way. He can turn anything into a weapon. And then you have Rick Flag, who is at least the equal of Hannibal Smith in, as far as strategy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it to. The, the group that has got, even if they aren't superpowered, they've gone up against superpowered beings and held their own. So I'm going with the superpowered. Uh, okay, Aaron, I know which way you're going to go, but why don't you take us into, the, into your vote? I'm going to say the A-team. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. I For all the reasons that uh, Mr. Hendricks there listed, I'm going to have to say the Suicide Squad. You got Rick Flagg who is as competent, if not more so, than Hannibal. Uh, Deadshot, like you said, you know, he, the only reason he doesn't kill Batman is, well, because he's a goddamn Batman. And <laughs> that's really it. I mean, otherwise, if it wasn't for that, he would have killed Batman years ago. Uh, Captain Boomerang, while he is usually mostly a joke character, he does have that precision aim with any weapon he chooses. And Plastique, she does have her explosives. And another deciding factor is the A-Team really doesn't do a whole lot of killing. Whereas the Suicide Squad, I mean, the name of their team is Suicide Squad. I mean, they don't mind dying if need Well, they don't want to die, but they will die if need be, and they do kill on a regular basis. So, yes, I am going to have to go for the Suicide Squad. It is not about killing. It's not about killing. It's about getting the job done. Yeah, exactly. That's dumb, Nero. And, you know what? Specifically, if you've got, the, if you're already, you know, uh, you know, being hunted for treason, you don't want to kill a civilian. You know, they're, they're, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of effort to dress up in a in a wedding gown and crash a wedding and uh, kidnap. <laughs> kidnap <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, it takes you got to come up with a plan that doesn't involve killing. It is way harder if you're not going to blaze and got blazer guns on the way out. That's right. A lot more skill. Okay. Chris, you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. See, I mean, I'm I'm am always more of a fan of good guys rather than bad guys, and it's like I I want to say the A team, I really do, I really really do, but the Suicide Squad will fucking kill you. <laughs> they they will shoot you with zero compunction. They will blow you up with zero compunction. The only argument I can make is. Okay, standard A-Team episode ran about, what, 48 minutes to 50 minutes? All the preparation for whatever machine they were going to build and, you know, the the action and the denouement all took place in, like, what, the last act? Mm -hmm. what, if Hannibal and the rest of the A-Team have that whole hour to prepare for the Suicide Squad, <laughs> I, you know, I, that's, that's the only way I could see it tipping in the A-Team's favor. And I might I might break protocol here, but say like I I really can't pick. 
I, I, I don't know what to I don't know what to say here. You can it's say it's a tie. You can say it's I, a tie. I'm I, happy with that. I think I think I have to go with a tie just because okay. yeah, I mean Suicide Squad will kill you and they are super highly trained and they want to get that time shaved off their uh prison sentence. But but the A team is the motherfucking A team. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna pick the A team, but I'm gonna lay it out for you exactly how it goes, all right? So let's say Flag and Hannibal have the same tactical skills and the same fighting skills. So that's a that's a that's a wash, all right? Deadshot is probably a, a better shot than anyone in the A team. I'll give you that. But then you've got Captain Boomerang and Plastique. Now you know if Face Man is going to charm Plastique, she's going to end up working for the A team by the end of the episode. Captain Boomerang is a joke, but so is Murdoch. But Murdoch's like an actual, you know, I want surprise bags! Oh, yeah. I love that episode. I want surprise bags! You know. (laughs) This is exactly how it's going to go down, all right? They're both going to have a plan. The Suicide Squad is going to come out ahead. But their orders are going to be to not kill the A-team. So they're going to put the A-team in some sort of a garage where there's a acetylene torch and a dune buggy <laughs> and, and some compressed air. And, and they're going know, to come out with a tree trunk weapon. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so they're going to be in their building, and then all of a sudden they're going to hear a noise, and Plastique, you know, Plastique, why don't you go and check on them? And Plastique's going to go in. Face Man is going to seduce her. Now she's on their team. They smash through the garage, and a chase ensues because, you know, Hannibal's on the jazz, and they fire a coconut out of, of a compressed air cannon <laughs> to a trash can, and, you know, the vehicle that the Suicide Squad is in that's chasing them is a Jeep, and it's going to blow up right in front of the Jeep, and the Jeep is going to flip over, and no one's going to get hurt. You know, it's just going to flip. And if they're groggy and trying to get out, uh, the A team's going to turn around and come up and kick their guns away and point their kick their guns, the suicide squad guns away and the boomerangs away, and they're going to point their guns at them and they're going to give up, except for uh, Captain Boomerang who decides he's going to run and BA is going to grab him and do that that flip can shot where you know, <laughs> on the ground he's, he's going to swim through the air as he's being thrown. And they're going to be captured, and they're going to be tied up and left to on a you know a street corner with a little note on it to Colonel Decker, and then they're going to go back to prison, but then they'll be broken out. So really, the A team is going to win, but only, only by a very narrow margin. Only by a technicality. Question for you. Yeah, Yeah. I got this all all planned out. Okay, so. Let's say you wanted to bring in the Latino Heat from the fifth season. Who's the yeah. fifth guy for the Who's the fifth guy for the Suicide Squad that could have been that? Sure. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Latino Heat dies. <laughs> Deadshot puts one right between the eyes. He's gonna be like the red shirt guy on Star Trek. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. He's gonna try to hit on Plastique. She's gonna have none of it, and then. During that uh, daring escape on the back of the dune buggy with the uh, air compressor cannon, which, by the way, what they shoot, it's a, it's a plastique's uh, explosives cocktail that's been combined inside of a coconut. 
and that's what blows up. It's <laughs> done. That's what it is. So, it, it, unless he you knows he, he really it doesn't, and you know, Amy Allen or one of the other broads that uh, where the news reporters don't don't enter into it. All right. But I think Plastique okay. now travels around with the A team and acts as a reporter to and a uh, pen cushion. What that? And a pen cushion. This man's a rocket. Don't come knocking. That's what happened. Uh, I'll let you guys share right, well, now if you want. Because now that I've stopped. Uh, no, I'll stick with mine, even though you have the full screenplay. No, I was right. So. Yeah, you're right. All right, so that, that gives us two to two on the 18 versus Suicide Squad. So, I think we have to go for a tiebreaker with the votes from Facebook. I don't oh, know that I do. Let's see what they say. Facebook, old buddy, okay. don't let me down. It was six to three. Uh -oh. So, it wasn't, you know... A blow away, but it it wasn't exactly close. Come on, 80s children. Six to three in favor of the suicide. Oh, you gotta be oh, fucking oh. kidding me. Which just goes to prove your audience isn't as stupid as you think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they're even more stupid. Be as stupid as I think. <laughs> so, our results from this episode we have G.I. Joe beating S.H.I.E.L.D., the Xenomorphs beating the 501st, and the Suicide Squad beating the A Team. Do we want to take another break and come back with our uh, very special new segment? I think that sounds wonderful. I, I, I need a break. I need a cold, frosty beverage after losing every single battle tonight. Oh, wait, no, I was, I was on the side of the Xenomorphs. I, I lost two to one tonight. Xenomorphs! Xenomorphs! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bug hunt. It's a real pretty shit, man. Watch me, George. Oh god. I can just picture a stormtrooper. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> oh man. Now, now oh, I want to see boy. a stormtrooper inside of the power loader. <laughs> <laughs> this is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Walking Dead. Tintin. Black Lightning. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. Let's put it this way, Shogun Warriors wasn't going to win any Eisners and the great feats of editing not yet performed. This is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo, and this Ultra... Of how they spoke at length. This continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. But to be fair, the best kind of confession is the Force Confession. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Red Sun is wonderful with a very strange ending. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers, and the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase.
And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. And we're back. And in place of the segment that seems to be getting us in the most trouble, we decided to do something a little more, um, less pedophilia. <laughs> what, you mean they didn't uh, like so... to fuck off kill? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, we are, now people like this, just we were getting in trouble uh-huh. for it. So, we, did, we have decided to go with the typical... Who would you cast in a movie? Question. Now, what the topic we chose this time is X-Men, if the movie came out in 1988. Now, I'm going to start things off here. And I the way I looked at it is I went by the team lineup that was in the actual comic that year, which is not your standard lineup. So, what I have is I have team leader Havoc being played by Tim Robbins. What? Colossus. <laughs> what? Tim Robbins. Uh, yeah, Tim Robbins. Have you seen how Tim Robbins looked in 1988 and how Havoc looked in the comics? I had a Pretty poster over on, my really. bed. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, no. Of Tim Robbins, really? <laughs> From Howard the Duck? Know that. I really did not want to know that. <laughs> I told you this is going to be off the wall, guys. All right. Colossus, I went with the obvious choice, Lou Ferrigno. What? This is not the obvious choice. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dazzler, and this one's for Matt Hunsworth, Olivia Newton-John. Aww. Uh, Storm, played by Tina Turner. Aww. Ah, uh, that's a beefy Rogue. Storm. Storm wasn't exactly a two. No, she was not. Yeah. Rogue, remember this is the young Rogue, played by Jodie Foster. Longshot, yes, he was part of the team. And he was an alien, so the accent works. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one character Jean-Claude can play. And a bit of a twink. <laughs> and now for the one that I'm really going to get in trouble for, Wolverine. I went with acting ability combined with height, or lack thereof. I came up with Henry Winkler. What? <laughs> the fuck? What? The Foz? <laughs> the Foz is Wolverine? Well, the, the other option was Michael J. Fox, and I didn't think that was going to oh be You the perfect character for MJ. Uh, now they're going up against the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, who at the time was led by Mystique, who I'm going to have be played by Grace Jones. Interesting. Pyro is going to be played by Sting. (laughs) (laughs) Also a bit of a twink. Will will he be in Uh, the the Speedo? In the the Steel Speedo from Dune? (laughs) (laughs) No, he'll be in skin-tight spandex. Uh, Avalanche. Now, for this one, I went with the the character's nationality. Now, Avalanche is from Crete, and as we all know, Crete is part of Greece. Well, I went with John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now, this one's for you, Jeff. What Bob Saget as uh, no Bison? the Blob, yeah. played by John Tenta, who most people will know as the wrestler Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Oh boy. Wow. Well, it certainly is an 80s movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll just play that. We just that went one. into a, a nosedive there. Wow. Uh, who'd you say for Professor X and uh, oh, Nagito? Yeah. I didn't. They weren't involved in the book at that point. Oh, uh, fine. <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from. They're all perfectly valid. I, I think most of the... <laughs> I, I want on record that Henry Winkler is perfectly valid as Wolverine. Thank you very yeah, much, Chris. Well, when I, I won't. You're going to be like, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> Do those hurt when they come out? Hey! <laughs> Every time, but hey! <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I know that no one can follow that, but we want to try. Ridiculous. All right, hero. Take All right, it. I got quite a few on here. I couldn't, I couldn't limit myself, and they, and I did not go by who was actually in the books. I cherry picked here. Uh, I tried to keep. I don't think I have any characters that debuted after 1988, though. Okay. So, <clears throat> Professor X. There is only one man who can play Professor X in 1988. The Duke of New. No, no, not the Duke of New York, but Donald Pleasance, who says, "Yeah, I'm the Duke of New York. You are number one." <laughs> Donald Pleasance in 1988 is <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> All right, now get ready. Get ready the for me Duke to. Duke of New York is a number one. You are the Duke of New York. You are a number one. Um, <laughs> there, there is only one man in 1988 who could play Cyclops. Is it Kurt Russell? No, but he's on my list. <laughs> Ooh. Val Kilmer. All right, I'm listening. I I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he has to have somebody to try to bang, right? So, who is just as crazy as Jean Grey is in real life in 1988? Oh, that's right. Sean Young. (laughs) I will see you at Tina Turner for Storm, and I will give you the only choice for 1988. Angela Bassett. Colossus. Okay. Schwarzenegger. Too short. Doesn't matter. I'll give him uh, elevator shoes. Doesn't matter. Everyone else will be in special it. special effects, man. Special effects. In nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, it's <laughs> Come called, on, they did Star Wars before, man. They could do that. If they can make Tom Cruise look tall in Top Gun, they can make Schwarzenegger look four inches taller. All right. <laughs> Kitty Pride. Alyssa Milano. Oh yeah. Nice. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Very right. nice. Let's see who else did I have on here? Anyone right? see Interview with a Vampire? Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> well, there's only three scenes worth watching in it, so I blocked the whole experience out. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's see. Um, now somebody mentioned Kurt. Kurt. Oh, we lost Jeff. Uh oh. Shit. Damn it. Baby, don't lose my number. All right. Let's try and call him again. Uh, all right. Let me scratch off. Oh, there. Is he back? Well, I'm calling. Call him. Call him. I'm calling. (laughs) You're on bedtime magic with David Allen Boucher. Well, I I think he just needed some alone time with Alyssa Milano there. Not in 1988. That's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've known him all my life. That is creepy. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's see. Where are we here? Are you back, Jeff? 
Yeah, I don't know what oh. happened. I was going to drop the call. Okay, so like I was saying, somebody mentioned Kurt Russell. Yeah. He's your Wolverine. The right I feel height. pretty good. I feel like I can do anything. feel kind of invincible. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's see. I think I, I got a few more here. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Michael J. Fox, Nightcrawler. <laughs> Boom, lock it up. Perfect casting. Wow. All right. Um, I had Debbie Gibson for Dazzler. Just saying. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's do my bad guys now. Only one man could play Magneto in 1988, and that man is Christopher Walken. <laughs> but Charles, you see, we can't Donald play humans alone. Versus Walken? Come on! It's gold. Come on, you have the Fonz against Walken. <laughs> I have Toad, played by Paul Rubens. I have I have The Blob, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. I have Pyro, played by the only Australian on this list, Mel Gibson. Uh, let's see, The White Queen, Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have anybody else? Uh... Oh, yeah, I got the Juggernaut. I got the Juggernaut, Jim Belushi. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, I, that's appropriately 80s. Oh, man. Don't deny my choices were awesome. Come on. Did you see Jim Belushi going, Juggernaut! I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, tried to find, I tried to find decent people to <laughs> scout, bitch, but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Um... I like <sighs> when I do a movie. I like to see you know the origins, if you will. So I want for more of a classic X Men lineup. Uh, Professor Xavier. I don't care whether it's 1988 or whether it's 2000, 2002. Uh, I still think Patrick Stewart is the perfect Professor X. Uh, Cyclops, uh, Mr. Michael Bean himself. Pronounced that right? Yeah. Michael Bean from the Terminator. Mm, I mean, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, Again, we in fact back in the early '90s, me and my friends sat around and actually had this exact conversation. Didn't we all? Some of these, so some of these pulls are from that. Uh, <laughs> Marvel Girl, I have to go with Heather Locklear with either a red wig or dye her hair red because, well, it's the '80s and it's Heather Locklear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angel, Emilio Estevez. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Uh, I picked the Beast. And uh, this would be pre-Harry Beast. And I would say Val Kilmer. Wow. From Round Real, Real Genius Day, not Batman and whatever the hell he did. Right, right. <laughs> and then uh, Iceman, I pick Christian Slater. <laughs> <laughs> not Twinkie enough. Uh, <laughs> Where's the cream filling? <laughs> so that's my main X-Men list and then for All their right. villains I went for a uh, again the Brotherhood with Magneto played by Rugger Hauer ooh, ooh. Uh, Toad Corey Feldman <laughs> uh, I included Mastermind by uh, played by Jeremy Irons ooh 
Oh, wow. I like that. Okay. Uh, I, too, went for the blob, but I picked uh, someone that I think was a little more size-appropriate, uh, Mr. John Candy himself. And, <laughs> and, you know, less makeup that way. And uh, then I went for the Scarlet Witch, uh, Tawny Katan. Ooh. Mm. And I was going to throw Quicksilver in there, but I, I couldn't come up with anything with Quicksilver, so I left it at them. Very nice. Wow. I put some thought into this. <laughs> yes. And good thought, too. <laughs> All right, I have two different teams. Um, if I was just going to go a little more hodgepodge, I would say Sly Stallone as Wolverine, Dolph Lundgren as Colossus. That, that's not. That's a good choice, actually. That's a good one. Yeah. Ali Sheedy as Jubilee. Grace yeah. Jones for Storm. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt Russell as Cyclops. However, as I was putting this together, I thought, you know, Hollywood's going to fuck it up. And <laughs> what was what was popular at the time? So if they were smart enough to do the original X-Men, they'd probably use members of the Brat Pack. Oh, God. And oh, so yeah, they probably do Anthony Michael Hall as Angel. That's not I, have him, I have Emilio Estevez as the Beast. I have Andrew McCarthy as Cyclops. <laughs> Molly Ringwald as Marvel Girl, and Christian Slater as Iceman. <laughs> I I, I want to see this Brad Pack version of the X Men now. <laughs> That's exactly. That's what we do. How do you not How do you not throw in Havoc in there and have it be Charlie Sheen though? <laughs> well, you could like that could be that could be something that surprised on the audience halfway. Ooh. Through. Yeah. yeah. Ali Sheedy is is Ju- What did you say? Uh, is- who is it? I said Ali Sheedy is Jubilee. Eighty-eight. In eighty-eight, she was like thirty years old, though, wasn't she? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I gotta tell you one thing. Yeah. And there's one thing that y'all forgot. And since this is an X-Men movie and it's got to have international appeal, there needs to be one actor that needs to be in there. David Hasselhoff. that way you get the international crowd you get everybody he was international in the 80s though it has staying power (laughs) who did who did you have him as i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) he just has to be in the movie he can be the just be a cameo (laughs) just have david hasselhoff show up and you're good to go all right he sings the theme song. <laughs> yeah. And frankly, Hasselhoff should have been in one of the Expendables movies. Uh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. All right. All so right. List. That's it. That's my list. I think the, I think that's game over. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Everybody? Do we have any final words? Fuck. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why don't we... Um, Let's do this before we sign off. Um, uh, Hair Metal Hero, you've got uh, you got a podcast you want to promote? Uh, I am on the Vault of Styling Monster Hara Tales of Terror, uh, which drops about once or twice a month. And I do that with a bunch of other guys that everybody that listens to Two True Freaks will know. Luke Jaganetti, Sean Engel, and Chris Honeywell, and Luke's brother Jay is now on the show. 
Uh, we talk about old horror movies that we like, and uh, we have a good time. You guys should all listen to it. Excellent. How about you, Aaron? Um, yes, I have my Head Speaks podcast and Task Force X. Head Speaks, I talk about comics and movies and anything that interests me. Task Force X, as we talked about earlier, covers John Ostinger's Suicide Squad. Uh, they're both available at headspeaks.com or iTunes and Stitcher. And they're both available uh, mostly monthly. Excellent, excellent. And Gene, aside from this lovely podcast, what do you want to promote? Well, obviously there's the uh, parent podcast of this one, which would be the Quantum Cast, where you're source for the Kevin Bacon of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> Then I have I have the best time doing that podcast. Like I mean, I like doing this one, but it's really on par with the Quantum Cast. Man, we have a lot of fun mm. doing that. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, then I team up with Doctor Bill Robinson, and we do Anime Freaks, and hopefully we'll have one coming out soon. Uh, due to various circumstances, we have had a little hiatus, but we do have a road episode coming out soon. And then I have my own show, which would be the Hammer Podcasts, which would also be on Two True Freaks, where I basically talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. The last one was on Norse mythology, and I'm pretty, pretty sure I bored my entire listening audience. That is not I, true. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Now, I, I tend to be a little more snarky than than some people when dealing with it, but it's my religion, so I figure, what the hell, I'm allowed. Sure. Damn right. I li- yep, I listened to it in the shower. I mean, it was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Alright. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't have a podcast to promote, but I'm going to start one for David Hasselhoff. <laughs> hey, there you go, the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Alright, before we sign off, next times matchups we need to talk about this now we recently were at atlantic city boardwalk con uh we want to thank everyone that came to our table and chatted with us uh we had a you know a little uh sign up booth where people gave us suggestions for uh, uh for upcoming matches so i'm gonna randomly pick into this bucket that's full of things and we're gonna do a grab bag section so the first one that comes up is Zatanna versus the Scarlet Witch. Sexy. It's, it's who can who wore it better is what we're going to say. All right. And again, this is completely random. Here's one that says Jesus will kill you, pedophile. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's not on the show this time. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's not here. Um, okay. This next one is Thor versus Wolverine. Which is bullshit. <laughs> so do we throw it back in, or do we want to actually? Yeah. Uh, you mean Thor- we could do it, but I think we already know what the yeah, answer. You mean Thor versus the Foz? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. The next one is Flash versus the Arrow. This is apparently somebody who only watches the CW, mm. and that's where they get all of their their comic book knowledge <laughs> from. Um. But I guess we could do it, Flash versus the Arrow. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, I'm yeah, okay I'm with it. All right, I'm going to pull on another one. This one also says the Flash versus the Arrow, which is really upsetting to me because comic books go so much deeper than, you know, the television channel that is specifically designed to reach 18 to 24-year-old girls. So, well, 
I'm a 35-year-old yeah. man. It, it's reached me. Right. But if you're going to watch a superhero show, The Flash is the superhero show. I agree. If you want to watch a Batman show, Arrow is the Batman show. <laughs> I'm saying that because I love that show. I uh, I really like The Flash. I can't I can't put it down too much. And you know what? I'm the kind of guy that wants to get in touch with an 18 to 24 year old girl. So <laughs> Tinder, my friend. Tinder. And then T I N D. I mean, uh, our last one is scribbled very uh, very poorly, but I think it says Scarecrow versus Scarecrow. Ooh. So that's a nice one. Uh, we would do shout-outs, but no one on these actually wrote what they would like to shout-out to. So, I'm just so if you actually them. went to our booth and you're now listening, please let us know. Yeah. Yes, and you can let us know by going to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub, or you can send us an email at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Excellent, excellent. Well, guys, thanks so much for participating uh, I'm glad that we could put these comic book fights to rest. Now no one never needs to discuss them again. And okay. when ever I see again. Some, ever again. So when I see something on Facebook, I'll just direct them to this podcast and say you can expend your energies in a much more constructive manner. Grind. Um, yeah. I mean Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder. X hamster. Uh, Ashley Madison. You know, whatever. Saucy. Anyways, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Comic Book Fight Club. Bye, all. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.